Hey, we're so glad you're here. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here at Calvary. Uh, obviously, uh, Dr. Rice was scheduled to be here this morning to be back with you. I know he's been out for a couple weeks, um, but he is, he is ill. He's, he's not feeling well, and uh, he's been in bed the past couple of days and um, reached out to me yesterday and said, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow morning? So, uh, so I'll be at church. He said, Good. I need you to do something for me. And so uh, I'm here. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, he shared something with me yesterday. Uh, it is the first time he's been pastoring for 35 years it is the first time in 35 years he has ever missed a Sunday to, due to illness. Uh, so it, I don't know what kind of orange juice he's been drinking, but I want some of that. But uh, he's not here today. He is sick physically, but he's also sick emotionally because it's just hard for him to be away. It's just something that God puts in the heart of a pastor. He does not want to be away from his people. So he waited till the very last second to make sure he couldn't do it. Uh, so he's not here today, but I've heard from the doctor and nurse in the house, his wife, who was here this morning, and she said he's doing a little bit better. So Lord willing, he'll be back with us next Sunday. But I just want to share with you something is just a personal point of privilege. We are blessed to have our pastor here at Calvary Church. We are blessed to have him. I want you to know, I, I, get to, I get to see him up close. He is everything you think he is, and he prays for you. He prepares for you in such a way that's just second to none. Uh, every Sunday and every Lord's Day, he's with you. So we're blessed to have him, but he needs your prayers as he gets better this week and gets back in the office and prepares to be with you next Sunday morning, okay? But you got me, the next 150 guy. So here we go. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 14. So take your copy of God's Word. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 17 and 29 is going to be the text for us. We're continuing our series called Unsocial Media. And uh, today I'm talking to you on this topic this subject, how to look stupid in a hurry. How to look stupid in a hurry. Now, lesson number one is this. Before you ever agree to preach a sermon for someone, find out the title of the sermon before you agree to preach it, okay? So how to look stupid in a hurry. I thought, man, the, the, the sovereign smiles of God in this message. I mean, I got illustrations and a file big enough just for my own life to fill this sermon, right? How to look stupid in a hurry. See, what happens when we get angry? And so this morning, we're talking about anger. We're talking about how that plays a role in social media. What happens when we get angry? You know what happens when we get angry. We get transformed. Something like comes alive in us and comes out of us when we get angry. Now, am I the only one in church who's ever been angry? Who all has been angry before in church? Okay, half of you are honest, half of you have a lying issue, right? We've all been angry a little bit. You ever seen the movie Taken, when Liam Nelson, when he's kind of that, that actor and someone takes his daughter, and what happens to him? He just goes into Rochambeau mode. I mean, he's coming after everybody in his path. I know seven years ago when that movie, I, I watched it for the first time. My Abigail, she just turned 10. I think she was two or three when that movie came out, and I saw Taken for the first time, and I sat for most of the night in front of her door in my house. You know what I mean? Just daring anybody in my city to walk in my house for the rest of the night. It just did something to me because I can't even say the thought of anything happening to my princess. Same way you've seen the recent Avengers uh, movie and the most recent, um, they just came out, Endgame. Now, if you've not, Endgame's been out for a while. So if you've not said, well, so this is a spoiler. Well, if you haven't seen it by now, you deserve to be spoiled, right? I mean, you got to go see it. 
But you've seen the incredible Hulk, right? And you've seen uh, you know, Bruce Banner, right? You've seen how he has this inner character inside of him. He has this big green monster. Now, you may feel like you have a green monster inside of you at times that comes out. But we all have this kind of inner monster. And recently, in this most recent movie in the Avengers series in Endgame, he kind of produces a new character and calls him Professor Hulk. He marries the two. He finds a way to channel the inner Hulk, to channel the inner Hulk inside of him to where he's got the smart logistic side of Professor Banner, but he's also got the emotional rage of Hulk. And he kind of combines the two and calls them, calls them Professor Hulk. So that's what we have inside of us, right? Some kind of a green monster going on inside. There's a rage. There's anger inside of us. And we're all trying to channel, kind of put together that inner Hulk inside of us. We're trying to find a way. We know it's there, right? Because that's the issue. Because with, with, with Banner and Hulk, if his heart rate gets above 200 beats per minute, he all of a sudden turns into a rage. Now, some of you, that happens on 19 during rush hour, right? Like your heart rate exceeds 200 beats and, and Hulk comes out, right? You're ready to throw every car out of the way. How do we do that? How do we find that middle ground? How do we stay balanced in a world of social media, in a world of just instant gratification with this new technology? We have to understand that Proverbs tells us that something can also happen when that inner Hulk comes out. Something can happen when that anger rages out of our life. You can do something really foolish, and you can do something really, really stupid. You can look stupid in a hurry. We're in Proverbs 14 and verses 17 and 29. And as custom here at Calvary, would you please stand for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible word. Proverbs 14, looking at two verses this morning, verses 17 and verse 29. And this is what the scripture says. A quick-tempered person acts foolishly, and the one who schemes is hated. But a patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. Let's pray this morning. Holy Spirit of God, have your way in this service. Have your way among your people. This is your church. This is your hour. God, have your way in our hearts. May we all look deep inside our heart and life this morning. And Lord, seek self-control in this area. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that they may have walked in this room without you, but I pray they would leave with you. May we all leave changed more in love with you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. My good friend, Dr. Adam Greenway, former dean of the Billy Graham School, now elected president of Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, he sent out something yesterday that I loved. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and tweets. And, you know, and it seems like that seems to be the model. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and tweets and post on Facebook and text on a cell phone. I don't know what you call Instagram, maybe uploading. I don't really know what that word is, right? But we, we upload, we post, we tweet, we send out messages. And oftentimes in those areas, we can't get those back. 
But we live in a very hostile culture. We live in a culture that's very angry. We are a people who's kind of got this inner hulk ready to come out at any moment when someone sets us off the wrong way, when we feel injustice, when we feel like something's not the way it should be. We're an angry people, an angry generation, an angry culture. Recent survey noted that when it comes to U.S. drivers, angry and aggressive over the past 12 months, 51% of Americans admitted, that's 104 million drivers, admitted they have purposefully tailgated somebody in the past 12 months. I know that would never be anybody in this room, right? 95 million drivers, 47% admitted they have yelled at another driver. 45% admitted honking to show annoyance or their anger at someone else. 33%, 67 million U.S. drivers admitted to making an angry gesture at somebody else. No illustrations, please, right? 24% admitted to trying to block another vehicle from changing lanes. 12%, 24 million drivers said they have intentionally cut off another person with their vehicle. 4% admitted to getting out of their vehicle to confront someone else. 3%, five point, say, well, it's only 3%. 3% is 5.7 million people have done this. They have intentionally bumped or rammed another vehicle on purpose. Feeling convicted yet? Right, I know, man, my, my toe's already hurt, right? You're just thinking about this, how we drive and the things that we do. Reminds me of a story at Christmas time where there was this lady and she was driving around. You know how it is at Christmas time. You're, you're just, in Jesus' name, you're praying and fasting for a parking spot sometimes, just trying to find a place to land the car. And she saw, she saw a, a spot that was open. And so she hurried and she hurried and she tried to pull in, but this young guy just whipped in right before her. And she was so frustrated that he was just so rude and did that. And he was just kind of smirking his way all the way to the front of the store. And she whipped around. She said, why did you do that? You knew I had my my light on. You knew I was turning in there. He said, because I'm young and quick. That's why I did that. And about a few seconds later, as he was entering that store, he heard a bam and a bam and bam. He turned around. And she was ramming his car, hit after hit after hit. He said, why are you doing that? She said, because I'm old and I'm rich and I can't do that. (laughs) Listen, we all do things, right? We got to understand that God's word warns us that quick-tempered people act foolishly. But patient people, willing to wait, show understanding. We're all one step away from stupid. Several years ago, I was with a friend of mine, a a youth evangelist. We were speaking at a conference at Cedarville University, and we were in the green room before we were going to go out on stage, and we were talking about moral failures that were happening among our friends in ministry and lamenting kind of what was happening a few years ago with several of our friends, how they were, you know, making bad decisions but I cannot tell you, we're all one step away from stupid, not just when it comes to a moral failure or immorality, but when it comes to our phones. When it comes to sending out a message on Twitter that you shouldn't send. When it comes to uploading a statement or a photo on Facebook that you can't get back. When it comes to Instagram and Snapchat and Vine, all those social media instruments. When you press send on the email and you can't get it back. 
We're all one step away from stupid. You can look stupid in a hurry in the age of digital technology and social media. You can do things you can't get back. But here God's word says a patient person shows great understanding. And if you want to be a patient person, if you want to be that person who can kind of control that inner hulk inside of you, right? To where you can kind of harness that aggression and show yourself with self-control, a fruit of the spirit, then there's a few things we're going to have to understand this morning. Number one, you have to understand the power of words. You got to understand the power of Words. Once again, we need to be warned of the power of words, and especially of words spoken in anger. They do great damage, like a fist through a wall. It happens in a moment, but the repairs can be costly and lengthy. Just like we saw a few days ago when several of my pastor friends in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio, were just devastated by the tornadoes happening in the southwest corner of that state right? It only lasts for a few moments, but the damage goes on for months and even for years. Something that can only take a few seconds, but yet look at what the residue is for days and weeks and months and even years to come. There's power in our words. The scripture tells us that your tongue is a blessing and a curse. It can serve one of the two, just like a hammer. You can use a hammer so you can use it to build something, to build up, or you can use it to break something. And that's the power of our words. Our words can be used to build someone up, or they can be used to tear someone down. I love to read stories. I love to watch television shows where someone talks about, you know, how someone spoke life into them 20, 25 years ago, and they just, they changed because someone believed in them. I love to watch some reality. Listen, don't email me tomorrow. I say, well, Pastor Jeremy, you know that reality shows really aren't real. They're staged. I know that. Just let me live in my happy place. You know what I mean? Like, there's some of those shows I like. I used to like Undercover Boss. I used to like some of that stuff because I love to see how the power of words can just change someone's life in many ways and their trajectory to speak life into someone's soul. And here Proverbs tells us that there's, there's power in our words, good and bad. Proverbs 17, 27 says, The one who has knowledge restrains his words, and the one who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. Proverbs 21, 23, The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Man, wouldn't our lives and our relationships and our parenting and our marriages look a lot different if we understood this verse? The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble trouble. Do you see someone who speaks too soon? Proverbs 29 says, there is more hope for a fool than for this man. That's a powerful statement. Do you see someone who speaks too soon? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So much wisdom in Proverbs. The one who speaks first without knowing the full story, to him it is folly and shame, Proverbs 15 and Proverbs 18. Be careful that you don't hear one side of the story and jump to a conclusion. It's foolishness to jump to a conclusion without knowing the facts, the proverb says. There's power in words. Don't speak too soon. There's more hope for a fool than the person who speaks too soon. Don't post too soon. Don't tweet so fast. Don't upload so quick. Don't text out of anger, not knowing the full story. How much better would our lives be and our souls and our spirit and our leadership 
if we didn't speak so much, if we didn't speak so fast, if we actually used two ears and only one mouth and listened twice as much as we talk? What would happen in our lives? We understood the power of words, good and bad. There's tweets you can't get back. There's posts you can't undo. This year, a few months ago, Chase Bank, I like Chase, I use Chase, but after this, this is kind of strange. I found this yesterday. Chase Bank sent out this tweet and then they took it back. But you know what happens? By the time you take it back, someone's already like captured it and reposted it. And so this is what happened with Chase Bank. They said in a tweet a few months ago, you being people like us, why is my balance in my account so low? Bank account's response, make your coffee at home. Don't go to Starbucks. Eat the food already in the fridge. You don't need a cab. It's only three blocks. You, I guess we'll never know. Bank account, seriously? Hashtag Monday motivation. They caught massive rage over that tweet. People were closing their accounts. They were mad. Chase was saying, hey, you know why your account's too low? You go to Starbucks too much. You Uber way too fast. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And they tried to hurry up and get the PR campaign back, and it was too late. It was already out there. And I could go on and on and on with a list of tweets that people sent out, but they can't get back, just like Chase Bank. The problem with social media is it encourages us to speak quickly, rashly, and often foolishly. Be careful before you click. Be careful before you send. Sleep on it. Words matter. Letters matter. Things make a huge difference when you send stuff. Don't do it from an angry heart and an angry spirit. Like a couple, a, minis- a couple from Minneapolis decided to go to Florida down here to thaw out over an icy winter. They planned to stay at the same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. But because of their crazy schedules, it was difficult for that couple to coordinate their travel. So the husband left Minnesota and flew down here to Florida on Thursday while his wife planned to fly down the next day. So the husband got to Florida, checked into his hotel, and there was a computer in his room. And he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally forgot to put one letter of her email address in the line and sent the email without realizing the error. Meanwhile, in Houston, a widow had just returned from her husband's funeral, who was a pastor and was a believer, obviously, and who had gone home to glory from a heart attack. She got home from the funeral and decided to check her email, expecting to get messages of condolences from those in her church and her family and friends. But after reading the very first email, she screamed and she fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mom on the floor, and saw the computer screen, and this is what the email read. To my loving wife, subject line, I've just arrived today. The email says, I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now and are allowed to send emails to your loved ones. Since I just arrived, I thought I would send you an email. Everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. It sure is hot down here. Bring some clothes. Be careful before you press send. Understand the power of words. Think before you speak. I learned this as a boy from my grandmother, and she taught me this acronym. It's the acronym THINK. 
She said, Jeremy, you're going to say and do stupid things probably in this life. But I want to help you not to do it so much. Son, I want you to think. And my grandmother taught me this acronym. T stands for true. She said, Jeremy, before you speak, is what you say true? I want you to think. T stands for think. Think. Is it true? H stands for helpful. T stands for true. Is it true? H stands for helpful. Is it helpful? Is what you say, is what you post, is what you send out, is what you email, and is what you text, is it true? Not what you assume, not what you, you know, have heard, but is it true? Is it helpful? I stands for inspiring. Is it inspiring? Are you building up or are you tearing down with what you're saying? Think, Jeremy, before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Words bring life. In necessary. Is it really important for you to say that? You know, Jeremy, your, your thoughts may not be as important as you really think they are to somebody sometimes. Necessary. Do you need to say that? Is the body of Christ edified with what you're fixing to say? Is the kingdom of God glorified? Is God glorified by your text, by your email, by your snarkiness, by your condescension? Is, is it necessary to do that? Think before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? K stands for kind. Is it kind? True, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind. Thomas Jefferson famously said, when you're angry, count to 10 before you speak. And if you're really angry, count to 100. Count, something practical, the power of, of words. Number two, the danger of anger. If we're truly going to be the patient person, if we're truly going to be the person who's not a quick-tempered person who acts foolishly, and we're going to choose to be the person who is patient, showing great understanding, we're going to have to understand the power of words and the danger of anger. Anger itself is a foolish action. You're never closer to that one step towards stupidity than when you act out of anger. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, Don't make friends with an angry person, and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered one. Or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. I tell my children often, I used to tell my students when I was a student pastor and a college pastor, your friends are like the buttons on an elevator. They can take you up or they can take you down. And who you surround yourself with and your circle of influence is a big deal. You can find yourself in a, in a fight, in a storm that you didn't even know existed, and you hang around with somebody who's hot-tempered, and before long, you're picking up a stone, and you don't even know who or why you're throwing it. And social media is the avenue and the new vehicle to just spew our anger. And that inner Hulk comes out and we just rage on the internet and we rage on the phone and we post and we tweet and we text and we upload. And in the end, where does it get? 
the danger of anger. There's only one letter that separates anger from danger. When you're angry, you're one step closer. You're one step away from danger. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. Proverbs 16, 32, patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Well, Pastor Jeremy, I want to go out and I want to conquer a city. I get it. Patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions is better than capturing an entire city. It's hard. In many cases, it could be easier to capture a city than to control one's emotions. That's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you every single day. Self-control over our lips, our heart, our tongue. Everyone knows the number one killer in America is heart disease. What happens when you get angry? This will bless you. Did you know the number one case is heart disease? That the number one reason for heart disease is anger? Dr. Redford Williams, director of Duke's University's Behavioral Medicine Research Center, say that the hostility and anger associated with type A behavior is a major contributor to heart disease in North America. According to Walter Cannon, at a researcher at Harvard, when you get angry, your respirational compresses, they deepen, the heart beats more rapidly, the pressures in your arteries rise, the blood is shifted from the stomach and the, from, and the intestines to the heart, the central nervous system and the muscles, and the processes of the canals seize, sugar is freed from the liver, the spleen contracts and discharges its contents, and adrenaline is secreted. Can I be honest with you? That's just nasty to me. That's just disgusting. Like, that's what happens when you get angry. All that's going on. Like when that inner hole comes out, like your heart's beating, your chest is compressing, your adrenaline's flowing, things are oozing out inside. It's disgusting. That's what happens medically when we get so fired up, when we get so jacked up, when we get red-faced, right? We have all our emoticons on our phone for the red-faced guy. Yeah, we use that. Medically inside, something happens that damages your body. It damages your body when you get so angry internally. And it's the number one factor in many ways to heart disease is anger. Tim Keller says that anger is the dynamite of the soul. Anger is worse on the body than anxiety and bad nutrition. Anger disintegrates community. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. Of all the emotions, anger is the most like an addictive substance. We are prone to denial when it comes to anger. We say, well, you know what? I just tell, like, <laughs> I had a guy one time when I was a pastor. He came up to me, a new member of our church. He said, hey, Pastor Jeremy. He said, hey, I want to tell you what my, my, what my spiritual gift is. I was so intrigued. I said, what is, what is your spiritual gift? He said, I have the spiritual gift of just telling it like it is. And I walked in my car that night, and I thought, boy, this is going to be a blessing all the way through, isn't it? You know, that's my spiritual gift, Pastor, is telling it like it is. And that's how we kind of we just deny this little thing we have inside of us, this inner hulk that rages. You say, well, I'm just a passionate person, or you know what, I just like to rock the boat. The more you have anger, the greater the issue you will have with sin in your life. 
Keller says that the ideal of Proverbs is not to have no anger, not anger that blows, but anger that is slow. Anger is inherently good, but it must be controlled. That's why Ephesians 4 says to be angry and sin not. We have to understand the power of words, and we have to understand the danger of anger. More than 60% of homicides in America are caused by angry family members. See, our cell phones, our laptops, our iPads, social media, it's just one more vehicle that our anger can just channel through. And it's so quick and so fast. And it just goes so quick, we can't get it back. Number three, if we're going to be the truly patient person in the age of social media, if we're going to get this right and not live with regrets over what we send out, we have to understand the power of words, the danger of anger, and the value of relationships the value in relationships. Proverbs 19, verse 11 says, a person's insight gives him patience and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the slow one to anger calms strife. Can I encourage you, when you see something on the internet firing away, don't jump in the conversation and add fuel to it. Speak life, speak truth, maybe just stay silent. Something happened over the weekend on social media. I won't get into it with some famous authors and teachers and leaders of our convention. And I sat in my chair yesterday morning watching social media, just sickened to my my stomach over what I was reading. And I thought, man, what are we doing to each other? You know that Christians sometimes, we're the only army that shoots our own soldiers. Why? Why? Why do we choose to engage in this behavior? Why do we choose to use social media in this platform? Why not use it for good? Why not use it for advancing the kingdom? Why shoot one another? Why tear down one another? We've got to understand the power of our words. We've got to understand the danger of anger. And we've got to see the value of relationships in the kingdom of God. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. Can I challenge you this morning to be the person, be the Christian, be the follower, be the leader, to step in and to bring calm and peace and not add fuel to the fire and be a hot-tempered person where you think you're doing good, but you're just making it worse. See the value of relationships. You don't know what somebody else is going through. You've not walked in their shoes. You don't know the day they've had. You don't know what that person is going through, the news they just received. Pray for them. Love them. Be a Christ follower on social media. It's more important to win a relationship than to win an argument. I don't always need to be right, but I do need to be loving. I do always need to point to Christ. I can trust Christ with the outcome of injustice. I don't have to have exact revenge. We think we have to defend ourselves. We don't. The fire department never fights fire with fire. I love 1 Peter 1 and chapter 2. A famous little book called In His Steps. Jesus did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he didn't insult in return. And when he suffered, he didn't threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Can I encourage us this morning in the age of social media to walk in his steps? If anybody had a reason to say something or do something back in return, it was Jesus. 
And yet he didn't do anything. It says at the end of that verse that he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. A qualification for leadership is 1 Timothy 3.3 that says, not to be a bully, but to be a gentle person, not one who is quarrelsome. I want to end with a few things. This is not mine. This is really good stuff, and this is not mine. I'll borrow this little short thing from Dr. Adrian Rogers. He said, when you're quick to get angry, you can lose so much. You can lose your job. You can lose your friends. You can lose your children. You can lose your spouse, your health, your testimony. There's nothing more debilitating to your Christian testimony than for you to fly off the handle. And in the past 12 years, since the invention of Blackberries and iPhones, some of you have no clue what a Blackberry even is. Just YouTube it and Google it. You'll see it, right? In the age of just social media, just right at our fingertips, we can fall off the handle and lose it all. Your reputation is what others think about you, but your character is what God knows about you. Make sure you keep your priorities in line. When you're close to getting angry, do three things, and I'll close with this. Number one, he says, confess your anger. Confess your anger. This is not on the screens, so you have to write it down. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, the Lord asked Cain, Why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, eager and ready to control you. You must subdue it and be its master. God was asking Cain, he was saying, listen, sin is at your door. And some of you here this morning, you're close to doing something really, really foolish, and you're about to look stupid in a hurry. It could be on social media. It could be a decision in your home. It could be a job issue. It can be a relationship problem. But you are very close to sending that text, and you are very close to uploading that photo and sending out that tweet. And I'm asking you, don't. And God is saying, be careful, confess your anger. To confess, literally, theologically, and in the Greek New Testament, means to agree with. When you confess, you're not telling God something new. You're actually agreeing with him, something that he already knows. You're just agreeing with it. Confess your anger. God gave Cain an opportunity, and you know what? The very next verse, verse 8, Cain said, come on, Abel, let's go out into the field. He willfully chose to not confess his anger. He was one step away from stupid. He was one step away from danger, and he took it. Confess your anger. God gave Cain the opportunity, but he didn't do it. Number two, consider your anger. Psalm 4, verse 4, write down this verse, Psalm 4, 4, where the scripture says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Man, think about the decisions in our life. If we could just go back and just sleep on it. Psalm 4.4 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Sometimes just sleep on it. Get the next morning, God's mercies are new each day, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide your words. Number three, confess your anger, consider your anger, and number three, control your anger. Control your anger. You say, Pastor Jeremy, I can't control my anger. Yes, you can. You know how I know? I call it the church parking lot transformation. You know what happens on the way to church on Sunday morning? Now, don't sit here and look all spiritual at me. You've got the same issues I've got. 
You're throwing hairbrushes at one another, and you're dragging the kids, getting them dressed. Toothpaste is flinging all over the windows. Man, y'all are fussing and fighting over. You don't even know why you're fighting sometimes. All the way to the church, and you're just fighting like cats and dogs. And you get out of the, out of the car, and you see the pastor. You're like, hey, Pastor Willie, how you doing? Good to see you this morning. Yeah, we were just having a great devotional about Moses and Abraham just now. And pastor said, why are you crying so much? I see you look upset. No, we were listening to 91.5, the Joy FM. And this story just really got to our heart. You know, you can fake it. We just, we, we get on the church parking lot and transformation happens. You can control it. There's a danger if you don't. Ask Moses when you get to heaven. I agree with my pastor. I think my pastor is exactly right. I think Moses saved Jesus, greatest leader to ever walk this earth. Even secular CEOs, Fortune 500 companies, have written books about Moses. Those in the army, those in the navy, even SEALs, have even referenced Moses and his leadership. No greater leader saved Jesus than Moses. But Moses got angry one day. He got frustrated with the people. And he struck the rock. And he got angry. And God said, Moses, you're coming home. You say, well, it's unjust. Look what Moses put up with. Look what all he did for the people of God. And that's how it turns out for Moses. He got angry. And he struck the rock. And God said, Moses, I'm going to let you see the land. But I will not let you enter and lead the people into it. And if you read the scriptures, the Bible says that Moses walked up on Mount Nebo and he walked to his own funeral. But we say, Pastor, how do you know that? The Bible says that his eye was not dim, nor was his strength abated. That means that he was full of strength and vigor, and his eyesight was perfect. Moses was not sick. Moses was not ill. His eye was not dim, nor his strength abated. That's an old King James phrase. That means he was in great health, and he was strong. But Moses walked to his own funeral because of his anger, uncontrolled, and struck the rock. Control your anger. Confess your anger. Consider it. How do we do that? How are we the patient person? By understanding the power of words, the danger of anger, and the value in our relationships. The phone, a wonderful tool, but a terrible taskmaster. In an age of social media, let's strive to take a break from the kind of go into an unsocial media platform and just consider our anger, consider our words, consider our relationships, consider the danger that awaits us as children of God if we don't control it. There are people who are watching and they're listening and you can lose your opportunity to share your faith and your testimony on social media. Pray, be like Christ, and trust your life and entrust your case into the life of the Lord. If Jesus can do that, then we can do that. Amen? Let's pray this morning, and we're going to close. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would work on our hearts today. Lord, if there's anybody in this room who's never been saved, who has never given their life to you, I pray that today would be the day they would admit their sin. They would believe, Jesus, that you are the sinless Son of God 
who went to the cross and died, who was buried and who was raised on the third day. And I pray they would confess you as Lord, confess you as Savior, and leave this place changed in a new relationship with you. I pray for those this morning who are here as believers, as followers of Christ. Help us to remember and to be aware there's a new vehicle, not just the car that we're going to get in in a few moments and leave. There's a new vehicle for us to spew out, to unleash hurtful words, to ruin our testimony, to hurt one another through social media. Help us, Father, to understand the power of our words. Help us to understand the danger of being angry. And may we see the value of relationships in the kingdom. Help us to be that patient person who brings calm, peace, Christ-likeness. God, have your way as we sing. As we finish this service, may we all examine our hearts today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.